I want to say uh, hey to everybody joining us online and uh, remembering our other campuses in Delton and Middleville as well. And, and so many people join us online now. This is a, uh, absolutely the fastest growing area of our church, not just uh, locally, but nationally and internationally as well. I want to start out uh, by asking you a question. Now, I want you to think about this in, uh, so, because I know some of you are students, but I'm going to be talking about vocation in some ways. But I want you, if you are a student, to consider your school like going to work, all right? So if you are a student and you go to school, I want you to consider that like your job. You go there and you do your thing. And uh, let me just ask this question because I think it's really uh, an interesting one. How many of you have ever worked with or gone to school with someone who truly annoyed you? Would you just lift your hand up, please, if that's you? (laughs) Some of you shot your hand up. Others of you didn't bother to lift your hand up because I already know you're lazy and so you're not going to bother anyhow. I know how that works. But the truth is, is that all of us could lift our hand over that. We work with people sometimes that are annoying. We have to, you know, go to school or, or we have someone and they just drive us nuts and they work by us. And, and, and we, let, me, let me ask a second question. This one's also, I think, I pretty well know the answer to this one or for the most part. Uh, how many of you... How many of you have ever worked for someone? In other words, you've had a boss or a teacher that you truly... Now, before you uh, answer this, if you work at TVC, we're not asking you to take part in this, but you had a boss or someone you know that you work for that you truly disliked. Would you lift your hand if you had... All right, a lot of you work for people you did not like. It's interesting how that works. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, we, we, we go to work and we think it should all be good and it, it's often, it's not so great. When, when I was 16, I left home. And uh, I had to support my own way, and so I worked in uh, a lot of different jobs. I was never fired. I've never been fired my whole life, but I, I uh, worked lots of part-time jobs. One particular job that I worked at, it was a retail business, and I don't know how to say it in any other way than the guy that owned this business was just depressing to be around. He'd come in at night, and we were closing up the place, and he'd go, well, another day, another dollar. And I mean, it's like you want, you know, you just like, you, you, you're horrible, you know. But the worst part of working for him was, is that no matter how hard you work to please him, you never could. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It was one of those bosses where you could never please him. You would, you would knock yourself out to do everything just so, and then he would come in, he would see it, but he would not acknowledge it, and then he would notice something else that was not perfect, and he would criticize you for it. And so I finally got to the place where I said to myself, you know, this is a part-time job. This is, I'm, I'm not real happy here. And so I decided I was going to quit. So uh, the next day, you know, I'm, in, I'm working there. And when he comes in at night at closing, because he would come in and take the cash and everything at closing, he came in and I said, hey, I called him by name. I said, I just want to let you know that I'm quitting and wanted to see how much notice you would need me to give you. I want to be able to give you appropriate notice. Before I could even finish that sentence, he went, you're fired, just like that. As soon as I said, I want you to know I'm quitting and I want, you're fired. And I looked at him, I said, well, you can't really fire me because I just quit. And he goes, yes, I did. I fired you. Now, I don't know if he had a quota he needed to fill or something, you know. But he said, yes, I did. I fired you. And I said, no, you didn't fire me. I quit. And then he went on to berate me. I mean, I remember, this is many, many years ago now. But I remember this so well. He just berated me. He said, you are a loser and you will never amount to anything. At one point in our conversations, I told him there was this plumbing outfit, heating and, uh, plumbing and heating and cooling outfit that uh, was in that town where I was born and raised. And he, 
Uh, I told him, I said, I'd love to work there because it was a big outfit. They had these distinctive red trucks that they drove. And I said, that'd be really cool to work for an outfit like that and be a plumber for those guys. And he said, you know those guys? He named the business. He said, you will never work for them. You are not good enough. They would never hire you. And finally, I just threw up my arms. I thought, I've had, I don't need to be berated. I'm, you know, I'm not getting paid anymore. So clearly, this is the notice the guy needed. So I left. The interesting end of that story is, is that two or three months later, I got hired by that plumbing outfit. Now, I'm just slightly ashamed to tell you the rest of the story, which is I was driving one of those distinctive red trucks one day when I saw him on the sidewalk. And I simply could not resist rolling my window down, sticking my arm out, and laying on the horn for about 30 seconds as I waved and grinned like an idiot at the man. And it's really a shame that I did that. But it felt so good. It just... You know, it's an interesting thing about work. You know, we, uh, as important as family is, and it is critically important, we've been talking about it a lot in this series, as important as it is, for most of us, we spend at our jobs, or even if it's school, as many or maybe even more waking hours with the people that we work with than the people that we call our family. It's crazy when when you think about it because we would prioritize our family. We'd say our family is like, you know, it's like God, family, you know, work, whatever. But in terms of time, and especially even almost quality time, often it's more hours are spent right there at work. And work, of course, places a certain level of performance demand on you. It's not like home, you know, where you can, as dad always said, scratch where it itches, you can just relax and lay back. It's not like that kind of thing. You've got to perform. You're there. And so you add the performance level, the amount of hours, and then the eccentricities of the people that you work with, the weirdness, the annoying parts of the people that you work with. And then you add, you know, all those things together. And sometimes work can just be like very hard, very hard. Some of you who are listening to this, you you view work these days as an endurance contest. You have to work because you have to pay your bills and all that. You have to go to school because you need your education and your parents would kill you if you didn't go. But you don't view either one of It's like, I view that as something I have to endure and get through. And you hate it. You hate it. It's like this, this miserable, frustrating thing that you... You have in your life, and many of us have had these thoughts. Maybe you haven't said them out loud, but at work you've actually had the thoughts. If you would just tell me what you want me to do, just give me my job and then leave me the heck alone. I will do the work and I will get it done and I will be much happier and I will do what you want, but just leave me alone. And so many of you have thought that. If you could just make the people around me go away, I'd do my job and I'd be happy. Because people can drive you nuts at work sometimes. Come on, anybody with me on that? I mean, I I know this. I've often said, I'd be a great pastor if it wasn't for people. (laughs) And so you've said, if if I could just be left alone, I could do the job and and I'd be happier and everything would just be better. But you know it's not that simple. In fact, it's not even better. See, the, the, the truth is, as human beings, collectively, we are like an organism. And we are intertwined, and we actually operate better and do more and accomplish, in many ways, so much more when we are connected in healthy ways. We are, and it's cliche, but we are better together. 
The wise man Solomon says it this way, Ecclesiastes 4.12, he says, though one may be overpowered, in other words, when you're alone, you can be taken down. Two can defend themselves. Something begins to happen when you bring people together that is exponential, synergistic. And he goes on, he says, and a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And that is absolutely true. Now, I know this is remedial, okay? I know you, you, you know this. But just hang with me a minute, and then we'll, we'll move on. No great athlete, you know, what we would call superstar, no, 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 no star, athletic star, is ever that way because they've done it all on their own. Never. They may be enormously talented and have gifts that are just incredible, and they may have a, an amazing and wonderful work ethic. But hear me now. They're not a star because they did it all on their own. They are who they are because others have worked with them and made a difference in their life, both in the present and in the past. And you know that's true. No man, no woman is an island unto themselves. There's no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. We all drink at other people's wells. It's just a fact. So I want to be clear. I'm, this is not going to be a talk about, you know, the power of team. And, because you know this stuff. You know, you know there's no I in team and all that stuff. You know, you, you, you know it. This is not going to be a locker room talk filled with cliches on why we need each other. But I do want to talk about your job or school, if that's your job. Because I've, I think you have a choice. You can grind through your days. Another day, another dollar. You can be miserable. You can be a person who talks about, I have to work with these people that are idiots. I have to live in this environment, you know, eight hours a day, eight and a half, nine hours, whatever it is. I have to work at this stupid place. You can be ground down by it. You can complain about it. You can bellyache about it. You can be a victim. You can be subject to the negative atmosphere of the place that you work. You can do that. Or, and this is my contention, some of you won't agree that it's possible, but I actually believe we can be atmosphere changers. I'm actually of the conviction that instead of wallowing in how bad the workplace is, instead of wallowing in how bad the relationships are with the people around me that I work with or whatever it is, that I actually have some potential to change the atmosphere. That what I do can make a profound difference in the lives of the people around me. Instead of being dominated by the atmosphere, I can actually be a part of changing it. And that's where I want to start this talk because, see, I believe you can. I, I, I do, and I believe you can. Not because you're some rock star, you're some super cool person. You may be those things, but it's not because of that. It's because of something that, is, that has been given to you. And this is what we're talking about from the beginning of this series when we started at Easter, this greatest thing idea. I believe that you've been given the greatest thing, which I defined from the very first weekend, and we've been talking about it every week, and that is you have been given God's love, which is meant to come to you and then go out, can anybody help me? Through you. And it is, this is my contention, it is the single greatest thing in the history of humankind. Of all the things you'll ever be involved in, the coolest vacations, the best experiences, the most romantic relationship, the, the greatest wealth, 
the possessions that you'll have, of all the interactions with people you'll ever have, the single greatest thing you will ever be engaged in, the premier important thing, is the love of God. My contention is that that is because God's love always wins. As I said from the very first weekend, when we were on Easter weekend, we are talking about this. God's love always wins in life, and Jesus validated this, and in death. Nothing you have, nothing you engage in, nothing in your life will matter more than this greatest thing called God's love, which always wins. In fact, that's kind of become a mantra as we've gone through these weeks. God's love always wins. And I've asked you, at least the weekends I've been speaking, if you would just say it out loud with me. So would you say it out loud? And let's put a little energy into it. God's love always wins. It always wins. Therefore, that means that his love will win in the workplace or in the schoolyard or in the classroom or wherever you're at, that if you choose to walk in it and not only let his love flow to you, but then as he whispers in your ear, now you give this same love that I've given you to other people as you let it flow through you, it can change the atmosphere. It can change. And again, it's not because you're smart. It's because of what's in you. You've been given God's love, which is manifest by His very Spirit. This is what I love about what it says in 1 John 4.4. 4. It says, you, dear children, are from God, and you have overcome them. Referring to the forces of darkness, the, the darkness in the world around us. You've overcome them because the one who is, what are these two words? In you. The one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. In you. I, I, sometimes I just wish we could get this. Because, you know, the mission of, of TVC is, is connecting people with God. Here we are. We sit out in Podunk Holler. We're, we're in rural West Michigan and Delton and Middleville and Hastings. In a small rural community. And in us lies the power to impact institutions and businesses and neighborhoods. In all kinds of places, when we make the decision that I will not step back and just be a victim and talk about how horrible it is to have to go to work and endure another day at work and just do the job and hate it and get out of there, but instead make the determination that I will live by the greatest thing, by God's love, and that my life actually can have an impact on the atmosphere. It can change how things look. But it's not easy. I mean, I'm going to be straight up with you. It's, this stuff is way easier to preach than it is to live. You know, I get up here and rant and rave. You know, ah, 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 we can change. And then I walk out of here and somebody upsets me. It's like, he's an idiot. You know, I mean, anybody know what I'm talking about? It's easy to, to, to quote, you know, verses and, and talk all this stuff. But I'm of the absolute conviction that this is right. And that God actually calls us to have a different perspective on how we go to work and how we go to school and how we do our lives than people who are without him. Because in us is the greater one. We have been given this incredible and remarkable love of God. And I'm not saying that it's easy. I'm simply saying that it's, it's doable. And that it's worth going after because the one who is in you is greater. So what I want to do is I want to give you three thoughts. And um, 
on how we live out this greatest thing so that we can actually change the atmosphere at work, change the atmosphere at our home or, or at the school or wherever we're at. This first one is so important. So important. And it, it has to do with the idea that if you want to create a greatest thing atmosphere, you, you have to honor creation. Honor creation. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So, so uh, some of you are going to be like me. I'm a fairly driven person. My wife says I have two speeds, on and off. And if I'm on, I'm just, and if I'm off, I'm like, you know, that's just, that's all there is in me. And when I'm on, I find myself zipping from one thing to the next. Anybody in here like that? I'm just moving on, baby. I'm going on, I'm going on. I got something to do, I got something to do, I got something to do. And it's so interesting, this happens to me periodically, that I'll be in the middle of my, you know, Zoom, I'm on to the next thing, I'm on to the next thing. And then somebody by me who's a little bit more observant in life will go, oh, wow, look at that. Now, sometimes I just race on by. I'm like, I don't know what you're seeing, but forget it. You know, I'm on to the next thing. But sometimes I'll stop and I'll be like, what? And they'll, that. And then they'll point to some wonderful thing. Maybe it's a sunset. Maybe it's the laughter of a child. Maybe it's just the look on someone's face. It could be a thousand different things. But what happens in that moment when I stop and say what, and then they go that, and then I look and go, oh, wow. Now that's awesome. You ever had that happen to you? You're going through your day, you're rushing, but then somebody who was observant said, oh, look at that. And then you backed up and you saw it. My, my brother, uh, my older brother, Rick, who passed away just two days away from that one-year anniversary of Rick dying. Rick had an amazing eye for beauty. It, 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 sometimes it stunned me, actually. He'd come up and visit me. I walk the Yankee Springs woods and trails area. I, I live here, and so I walked him. I've done it for years and years, and I do it almost every day in some uh, fashion. And so he'd go on walks with me when he'd come up. And we'd be walking along and we'd be talking. And suddenly I realized he's not with me. And I look back. And he's like 10 yards behind me. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? And he's squatted down. And he's just looking at something. I'm like, something died back there? What, you know, what's going on? And he's like, he's just, just kind of waved me off. I'd say, you coming? Just, just a minute. And he was this amazing photographer. He, he had the ability to shoot pictures of things that just blew me away. And he'd pull his camera out, and he'd take a picture, and I'd walk back. And this, this is the terrible truth. Sometimes I'd walk back, and I'd look at what he was taking a picture of. And it was like a stick. <laughs> Until I saw the picture. I cannot tell you how many times this happened. And then I would go, oh, wow. And it would be just some formation in it, some little thing. And I'd walked by it dozens of times and never seen it until somebody said, take a look at that. Now, here's what I think. I think we do this with people. I think we walk by people. I think we work with people and we see the annoying stuff that's out in front but we miss the amazing beauty 
and wonder that's on the inside of them because we're rushing by and we're doing this and we're doing that. And so instead of seeing the wonder, we're booking it on to the next thing. We're going to that next project. We're doing that next thing. And this person's just kind of in our way. And what I actually contend is, is if you want to build a greater thing atmosphere, one of the best things that you can do in your workplace or at school in your class or with your friends or in your neighborhood or with your kids or wherever is to stop and take a step back and pull the curtains back and look at the wonder that is there on the inside. Because it's there. Now, I know some of you are saying, I don't know if I buy all this God stuff and the Jesus thing. I'm not sure about that and everything. Okay, I, I, I get that. But let's just, let's just try an assumption. Let's just go by an assumption. Let's go on the assumption that mankind, humankind, all humans were created in the image of, what do you think? God. They were made in the image of God. Now, we believe that at TVC. That is a core belief that we have, that humankind was made in the image of God. If that were true, assuming that were true, do you think then there is wonder in people? Okay, that's a question, so I'm looking for some kind of response. I feel like I'm looking at a painting out there. You just all... If they are made in the image of God... Is it a safe assumption that there is wonder in people? In all people? And I know some of you are going, you don't know my boss. He was made in the image of Satan, you know. I, I know sometimes it feels that way. But if it's true that every human being was made in the image of God, then there is wonder in them. And you may have to push the curtains back, and you may have to push through the brush, you may have to get to the back of the wardrobe to find Narnia, but there is wonder there. And my contention is, is that when we see it, and then we actually call it out, something remarkable begins to happen. Actually, more will begin to show up. Because what you center in on, you see. And I just think, some of us, we need to be challenged along these lines. This is, this is a huge thing. I read a book a while back, I, I, I thought this guy had a great uh, thought. He, he talked about what he called conversations based on four letters. And those four letters are I, C, N, and U. And they simply represent the words that you would say if you're saying the letter. I, C, and U. And that you speak those to people. That you pull back the curtain and you look in and you see wonder. And then you tell them, I, C, N, U. This amazing thing. I see in you a heart for people. I see in you a commitment to do things with excellence. Now, I know some of you are going, I see in that guy that works by me nothing good. I understand that. But it's there. If you will look for it, if you will search for it, you will find it, you will see it, and then you have that kind of a conversation. And this is a, I mean, this is a simple thing. I want to just, let's just do a little exercise, okay? Think about the person at school or work that totally annoys you. And most of you already have that name right there. I mean, you didn't even have to think about it. You know who they are. And just thinking about them, you want to put your hands around their little throat, and I know all that, all right? Just bypass the feelings. Think about them for a moment. And then let me ask you this question. Do you look for the wonder in them? Have you ever? Have you ever called out anything good in them? 
Now look, this is easy to preach. This is not easy to live. I understand how hard this is. And I realize in my own life, I have to do this so much better. But I'm just asking this question. Do you do that? Seriously, do you do that? Do you look in them? Do you see some good thing? And then do you call it out? Have you ever said to that person, I see in you? It's an interesting thing when you think about it. Sometimes when you see something good in someone, you may see something they don't even see in themselves. I'm talking about the workplace, but can I just speak to parents for one second? Do you know how much your kids long to hear you say, I see in you? They are waiting for those words. Not, you never sit still. You never listen to what I say. I see in you. And they long to hear them from you. You know what's interesting? Is that sometimes, and I think most of us don't even know this, but sometimes the thing that annoys us about people actually is a hint to the wonder that's in them. But because it grates on us, we can't, it's like we can't see it. But it's a hint to it. I heard Sir Ken Robinson give a TED Talk, which I just loved. He talked about a conversation that he had with a woman named Jillian Lynn. Jillian is now in her 90s. Retired dancer, choreographer. And he asked Jillian, and she had, by the way, unbelievable success. Choreographed for things like um, the production Cats. I mean, just, just unbelievable. And he asked Jillian, he said, what was it like when you were young? And she said, it was, it was not good. It was not good. She said, in school, it was like I just couldn't sit still. I was just, I was just distracted and, and, and upsetting, it seemed like, to everybody. In fact, it was so much, she told him, that um, my school wrote my parents and said, we think your daughter has a learning disability. Now, this was in the 30s. They would have probably said it was ADHD or something, you know, today. But back then, there wasn't that kind of language. So they said, we think your daughter has a learning disability. So her mom, who was a conscientious person, uh, decided to take her to a specialist, see if maybe they could help her deal with this learning disability that this little girl named Jillian had. So Jillian said, they went to the specialist. She said, I sat on my hands for 20 minutes trying not to move as my mom explained all the problems that I was going through and the distraction I was to other students and how bad it was at the school I was at and how terrible things were. And, and after 20 minutes of my mom talking, she said, the specialist looked at me and said, now Jillian, I want to talk to your mom privately. I'll be back in. We'll be back in in a minute. We'll just be outside, but we're going to go out there and talk. And he said, you just sit here. It'll be okay. And as he was walking out the door, he turned the radio on on his desk. And then he walked out the door, and Mrs. Lynn, Jillian's mom, followed him out. And then he turned and he said, now just look. Because as soon as he had shut the door, Jillian had gotten up off of her chair and she's walking around and she's moving and, 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 and she's doing all these things and the music is playing from the radio. And he looked at her and he said, just look, look at your daughter. Look at your daughter. And then he said this. He said, Mrs. Lynn, your daughter is not sick. She's a dancer. Take her to dance school. And her mother did. And Ken Robinson said to her, what was that like? And she said, oh, it was amazing because, 
Because it was like a school full of people that were just like her. They couldn't keep still. And they had to get up and move to think. And she went on to become an accomplished solo ballet dancer. And then to start her own production company. And then to choreograph for shows that would wow and impact millions of people. Because that specialist did something that most would not do. That specialist looked in and saw creation in her. And honored it. Where most would have said what she needs is some medication. Take this and tell her to calm down. And too often what we do is we look at the symptoms and we don't recognize that they can actually be clues to the wonder and the beauty on the inside of the people around us. And some of the people at work are driving you nuts and you think they need medication or maybe they're already taking it or whatever. Maybe it's a hint of the wonder in them. Because we are gloriously made by God. We are wonderfully made. The psalmist understood it. I love this. He says, thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. At school, students. At work. Do you see the wonder? And then do you call it out? I see in you. First, first you honor creation. Real quickly, second thing. I'll get to it here. Is if you're going to do this really... It really means sacrifice. You know, uh, I mean, when you, when, you, when you think about it, so much of life, when you're really doing it right, is about, is about sacrificing what's comfortable for you, for other people. If you want your workplace to become a greater thing kind of atmosphere, it's going to mean you sacrifice. You know, there's a scripture, most of you are familiar with it, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, a lot of you have heard that, and we've focused in on this part. You, you believe in Him, and you'll, you'll not perish, but you'll have eternal life, and that's wonderful. I just want to look at this first part. It says, For God so loved the world that He what? Th- that He gave. Do you know that you could actually insert the word there parenthetically, that He sacrificed? I mean, Right? You really could. He did what he really did not want to do. And you say, well, God wanted to do it. Yes, on one level, but on another level, he didn't. Do you remember Jesus in the garden just before he's betrayed and going to be crucified? He says, Father, if there's any way you can take this cup from me, do it. But I'd rather have your will done, so okay. Sacrifice. See, sometimes I think whether we're at work or whether we're at school or wherever we're at, We've bought into this notion that if you're truly happy, it doesn't mean you'll ever sacrifice. Actually, the people who are truly the happiest sacrifice on a consistent basis. And there are wonderful mountaintop experiences, but most of life is lived in the trenches. Would you agree with that? And that's where you sacrifice sometimes. That's where you say, I see what you're saying. I don't agree, but it's all right. It's all right for you to see it that way. You know where you can see that kind of thing happen best or where it should happen best is in a married couple, because men and women so often see things differently. <laughs> and, you know, this is a terrible blanket statement, but it's mostly true, is that men tend to be fixers, right? Men are just like, okay, we have a problem, let's fix a stinking thing. But the woman uh, wants to experience it more fully, to talk, to be listened to, to, to share this thing. And the man's like, oh, well, heck no, just let's fix the problem, let's take care of it. And uh, I saw a video recently, and I've actually shown it here within the last, I don't know, 
several years probably. But I think it so identifies this. And most of you have probably seen this because it's had millions of views. But I think it says it so well. Take a look. It's just there's all this pressure, you know. And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me. And I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head. And it's relentless. And I don't know if it's going to stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever going to stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there... Stop trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing... You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. See, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail out. See, you're not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just... Sometimes it's like there's this achy... I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. That sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Come on. If you would just... Don't! I I cannot tell you how many times I've watched that silly thing. But it's so true. And I love the part where, you know, she's saying, I just had this achy in his eyes go off to the side like, I, you know, this could be resolved. We could, but then he's willing to say, okay, it must be hard. Can I just ask you to do that with people that you're engaged with at work? Yeah, I, I can see where that'd be hard for you. That's called sacrifice. And sometimes that's just the step that you have to take. You have to sacrifice. So honor creation, sacrifice, last thought. And this is this idea of, you know, forgiving. Maybe this is just me, but this is an observation that I've made. Is that most people, if you talk about forgiveness, they're going to go, yeah, I know, I need to forgive my wife or my husband or my kids or my family or whatever. I know, no, 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 yeah, I, I get it, I get it, I get it. But when it comes to work, it's like we think they're just idiots and we don't seem to put this idea of forgiveness needs to go to them as well. They've offended me. I either need to quit or they need to get fired or something bad needs to happen to them. They need to die. You know, whatever it is, you know, it's like we don't think in terms of forgiveness for the people we work with. But this is what the Bible says. And I mean, this is very clear on this. It says you bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. You forgive them. This is what he says. You forgive as the Lord forgave you. Which means they don't deserve to be forgiven, but you forgive them. This is like job one. You forgive them. You let it go. Now, I, I know some of you are going, it's, it's just not that simple. You know, they betrayed me or they, 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 they lied about me to my boss. or they, You know, I understand all that. I understand they don't deserve it. I understand they're, you know, they, they're, they're bad. I get all that. That does not alleviate the need for you to forgive. You know what they say? They say unforgiveness, not forgiving, is like drinking poison, hoping the person who hurt you 
dies. And it just makes you sick. Now, someone said to me last night, as soon as you started talking about forgiveness, Jeff, tears started rolling down my eyes. But I, how do you do that? How do you do that? And this is my response. Just as an act of your will. You forgive by faith. Now, what does that mean? That means that you can forgive someone and not feel better. This is where people get so scared about forgiveness. They think if I forgive, then I suddenly have to go, I forgive. Ah, everything's wonderful. You know, that doesn't feel like you can forgive and still have feelings of anger. You, you can't avoid, you can't just shut down your emotions, your, your anger sometimes. You, 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 it's there. You can have, you can forgive and you can have feelings of pain and hurt and frustration and sometimes even little scenarios that try to run through your mind. But when those happen, this is what people who forgive do. They say, no. I forgive them. I forgive them. I forgive them. And you may have to say that a thousand times, and you do that. And then one day, those feelings lift, and it changes. But it starts by you, by faith, forgiving them. I forgive that person. I let it go. You know what a beautiful picture of forgiveness is? Baptism actually, especially the way uh, we do it at TVC, you know, where you're talking about immersion. So when that person is baptized and they go down into the water and then they come up out of the water, it's like they've been washed of their sins of, of their past and they come up free symbolically of that past and that sin. And that's what you do when you forgive. You wash people of their sin and you let it go. And you release it. And you don't just free them, you free yourself. You honor the wonder, the creation in them. So, I mean, it's just so powerful. You, you willingly sacrifice and you forgive. I don't know what God's speaking to you. I hope you respond to that. You know, speaking of baptism, baptism is what Christians do when they say to the world, I'm all in for Jesus. We're actually doing baptisms right here next weekend, all of our services. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've not been baptized, you can be. You can sign up out at the next step area, call the office, whatever. Send us a carrier pigeon. It's all, it'll all work. And come next weekend and be baptized. Invite your family. See what God does. All right, enough. Let's stand to our feet and we'll close with prayer. If you need help, if you just saying, I'd like to, I want to take some next steps. I, I don't know what to do. Just go out to the next step area and they'd love to talk with you and help you in any way they can. So God, now uh, help us to go and to take these things that we've heard and learned and processed a little bit and actually act on them. And may we, by the greatest thing, your love, Change the world we live in. And may it please your heart in Jesus' name. Let's say together, amen. Have a great day. You're dismissed. If you need prayer, we'll have people in front who'd love to pray for you.